Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today is going down right here. J E T S Jets Jets Jets. What's up, Jay Martinez? You got yourself a new coach. Why you're so disappointed? Uh, it, I know you're big on gays. You like him. You like his quarterback whisperer tendencies. Absolutely. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce the show? We'll get into it in a minute. Yeah. So this is fantasy sports today. It's uh, Thursday. Getting ready to go over the divisional matchups this weekend. But we're going to start it with the coaches because that really is Great. some of the big news that has happened this week. Uh, Adam Gase, Bruce Arians, Freddie Kitchens. Matt LaFleur, all really named in the last 48 hours. That's right, Vic Fangio. So what does that tell you about that Miami job? Not so I told you when we ranked them, Miami and Cincy were the ones I thought were the two least appealing, and they are now the only two left open. And and there's one reason why. There's many reasons why, but there's one reason why you can cut through all the BS and explain why those are the bottom two. Because they have nebulous quarterback situations. That's what I was just going to say. I could tell it in four words. Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. So Tannehill is an oft-injured veteran quarterback that you don't know exactly what he is. You get good Tannehill, you get bad Tannehill. And he's hurt all the time. By the way, Andy Dalton's been hurt for a couple of years now. Quarterback purgatory. And he is uh, sometimes good Andy Dalton, especially in September. Turns Halloween. He turns into yeah. a jack-o'-lantern, and it all goes south. And trust me, I like to back up my red-headed brethren, but let's sure, a little know, ginger theory. we know who Andy Dalton is at this point. So that yeah, has something to do with it. Also, you have the Bengals with a long history and a long reputation of being stingy. Uh, they yep. didn't move on from Marvin Lewis for 16 years despite never winning a playoff game. And on the flip side, um, Despite the fact that he's got a ton of money, Stephen Ross has proven to not really know exactly how to run this team. Uh, I said to you, we'll we'll pin it back to Gase now. I said to you, I thought he was caught in a little bit of a roster churn, and then he had done an overall pretty good job. Now you are what your record says you are. He's under five hundred with the Dolphins, thirteen and nineteen the last two seasons. Uh, but look who he had at quarterback. There was sure a lot left to be desired yes and so i'm going to start with the marks on the positive side Mm -hmm. (laughs) for adam gaze sure let's do it um you are high on him 
<laughs> That's like my number one saving grace, honestly, Blewett. I'm like, hey, Blewett has faith in him as a quarterback kind of guy. So maybe he – like, and, you know, truth be told, the conventional wisdom is that he is good with quarterbacks. Yeah. I've said, you know, on this air for the last, you know, month or so, the number one priority for whoever the Jets get has to be someone who they can be confident will develop Sam Darnold. They ultimately look to prioritize and check that box. So, okay. I just don't like the way they did it blew it you know I don't like the reports yes this idea of like the roster churn and he was trying to establish his culture I think that's going to be important for the Jets as well but I don't think it worked well with players you know the Jay Ajayi the Indomitian Sus of the world I understand what he was trying to do but he better not try something like that with my man Jamal Adams who likes to talk you know what I mean Um, who I think needs to be a part of this team what I also don't understand honestly blew it You know, to me, Gaze is a retread, okay? I wanted Mike McCarthy, who at least was this established, respected kind of name. I've seen him do it before. I've seen him win a Super Bowl. If they weren't going to go for McCarthy, then I would have wanted, you know, the Monkins of the world, the Matt Rules of the world, the Lincoln Rileys of the world, you know, the the young up-and-coming guy I would have been okay taking my shot with. It seems like the Jets are trying to, like, yeah, I like retread. Yeah, but he's been here before. I like I, retread. Me, I, I retread would be somebody hiring Norv Turner, like That's, Caldwell, that, or Caldwell, Jim right. Caldwell to some extent too. He 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 had two stints as a head coach, which you know, varying degrees of success. I, I think Jim Caldwell could get another shot, but I I wouldn't be jazzed up about him. Uh, the Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy. I get the fact that he won a Super Bowl and he was a head coach for a long time, but he's as much of a retread as Adam Gase would be. It's his second job. Adam Gase is 40 years old. He has a proven history with quarterbacks, albeit one of them being a Hall of Famer that probably could have been fine right. on his own. Peyton Manning yeah. will make everybody look good. Right. Uh, but he did work well with Jay Cutler. It's why he tried him in Miami when things went south with Tannehill's knee. Uh, yeah. It's why he tried him. It's hard to coach up a quarterback who doesn't really want to play football anymore, which is a which is seemingly more likely the case with Cutler than anything else. I think that this is a good here, – here's the reality, and I've said this to you before. The ultimate qualifier for me regarding head coaches is that nobody really knows what they're talking about. So NFL Twitter and me and you and many other analysts out there can tell you that, ah, this guy's got a great resume. It should work out. We, right. we ultimately don't know because there's too many external and internal factors in play. Does McCagnan get more players? They're still bereft of talent on this roster. Yeah, they got money a, in draft picks, though. Right. So they have to do that better than they've done it That's in true. the past. Todd Bowles has really left with this same roster. Like, who was going to be right. successful with it? Oh, we got a rookie quarterback and a really good defensive lineman and a good safety. Uh, what else you got? Uh, I don't know. I've got a collection <laughs> of mid-range running backs and a terrible offensive line. We don't have a number yep. one wide receiver, but we got a few good number twos and threes. Maybe one guy will surprise yep. you, and they did with Robbie Anderson. Let's sign the guy yep. with a neck surgery to a long-term deal and see what we can get out of him and Quincy Inunwood. So all of these decisions are going to go into how Adam Gase is judged. I think, here's what I'd say though, and I'll kick it back to you. It's all about, to me, the fit with the team. And I think Gase being a younger, offensive-minded coach to try to relate to Darnold is the right fit. I did not think Steve Wilkes was a good fit the day it happened 
in Arizona. He was one of the hot coaching candidates. It made sense that he would have gotten a job, but of all the jobs that were available last year, I did not not think Arizona was the one that he should have gotten. So then Rosen was working with a defensive coordinator who didn't really have a a first-time head coach who was a defensive-minded guy. He was working with Mike McCoy, who didn't really have a relationship with Steve Wilkes. Then Leftwich comes in in the middle of the year. The offensive line's terrible, and it all went terribly badly. I think giving a one guy a guy a one-year stint is ridiculous, but at the same time, oh, yeah. it wasn't going to work. So they had to move no on. No surprise that guy was an African-American head coach, by the way. Yeah, look, there, there's absolutely uh, ties to be made there. Ray Rhodes, uh, now Steve Wilkes. Mm-hmm. I think Steve Wilkes can get another shot, but regardless of all that, it, it just wasn't a good fit. Like Vance Joseph should have been a good fit. He should have been able to take that relatively talented defense in some cases, some people might say a very talented defense, and do a lot with it. And he didn't do anything with it. They went 5-11. and 11, The defense regressed terribly, and he got fired. So uh, sometimes even the fits that look like fits don't work out. Fangio, to that end, looks like a decent fit. I think Case is a good fit here. I have no idea if it's actually going to work out. So, right. There you so, go. And that's what I started with, right? I've been saying in a vacuum I wanted an offensive mind. They had to prioritize so, the Darnold so development. And that did happen. Here's what it reminds me of, and I'm gonna bring in some. I'm gonna bring in another name that I know you like. Okay, when you talked about like his reputation versus what I saw. Okay, with with Gaze, that this reputation that he's this quarterback guy. He's worked with Cutler, great. You know, he had a great season with Peyton Manning setting records. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, right? This, you know, to me, I'm gonna draw two analogies and let you kind of eviscerate them. The first one is your boy Matt Lafleur. Okay, your boy Matt LaFleur has the reputation with the McVeigh tree and the Shanahan tree, but with the Tennessee offense this year, it didn't look extraordinary or dynamic or anything like that. I think he's a lot of just reputation. We'll see, though. The other thing, and this is the one that I'm really scared of, Blewett, I really, really, really am. There was another head coach recently in the New York area that was known to be a great offensive mind that worked with a Hall of Fame or likely Hall of Fame quarterback to establish his reputation, then came to be a New York head coach, started butting heads with players, started to change, try to change the culture, right, and tried to, like, plant his flag, and it went down the drain very quickly. I'm talking about McAdoo. Right, McAdoo and was was seemingly ill-equipped to be a head coach. He didn't know how to run a press conference without embarrassing himself. But how do we know that Gaze, like Gaze has done this for what? Like he's been a head two, coach three for years? three years. It's the first head three coach years that in the, Miami. It's the first head coach that the Jets have hired since Bill Parcells that has had any previous head experience. coaching experience. It's the first offensive-minded head coach since What's Up, Rich Kotite. That's not a yeah. it's not a great transition. <laughs> you hope he's better than Rich Kotite, who lasted uh, only the two years, but. Uh, Nonetheless, I, I think the fit is what matters. They have $100 million in cap space. They got McCagnan, who got a reprieve of some sort, stay of yeah. execution. Uh, and well, he's got... going to be pointed at him next. Yeah, it is. His head is on the guillotine right now. He's got to try to remove it uh, as quickly as possible. I, I don't think they should spend wildly. I think they have to spend wisely. I would go out and get... What whoever the best free agent offensive lineman is on the market, I'd go there and yep. I'd draft 
two more offensive linemen. Yep. One early. I want the Jets to trade mid-round. down. Yeah. Just, I want the Jets to trade down from three, accumulate picks, and draft linemen. Yeah. And and if they don't get an offensive lineman in free agency, that's fine too. Draft a couple and go for a mm-hmm. defensive lineman up front. Somebody to pair with Leonard Williams. I uh, yeah. could use a linebacker. I'm sure you know. There's a lot of lot of room to make sure. upgrades on this roster. And I I think they could probably. I, I I say this legitimately. I think they could probably ignore wide receiver. Oh yeah. For the time being. They don't need the skill positions yet. Those are going to be the cherries on top in about two years. They yeah. need to build from within, in my opinion. They need to do what exactly what the Colts did last year, trade down with the Jets, you know, and they yeah. got an all-pro guard and an all-pro middle linebacker as rookies yeah. last year with Jets picks. I think the Jets need to do something of the same. They need to go out and draft some linemen. Maybe they sign a, pass, maybe they sign a guy like Ziggy Ansah or something, a pass rusher, if they don't trade down and the kid Nick Boses there i'm okay with that but they need to build from within the last thing i'll say uh there's tons of defensive linemen too if they want to take yeah this is a draft 2019 is a draft light on skill players deep in the trenches and i think they need to do that okay this year you don't need a Le'Veon bell yet you don't i've heard people talk about antonio brown wanting to be traded no i want no part of that they need to build up so that in about two years when Brady is walking away, that's when they spend their money for the skill position people that will you know, make that next step. When Darnold is already established as the leader going into year three or four. The last thing I'll say, though, on this Gaze thing, Blewett, like what about those reports out of Miami at the end of the year? You know, like players wanting to quit on him and things of that nature. Um, it's a, it, it has to be a concern when you see those types of stories, but – how many teams did we see that with? I mean, there was a lot of teams. Marshall Falk, who was on the Sunday shows with me throughout December, talked a lot about uh, the, U- U- the U-Hauls getting packed. He-, he had seen it firsthand with certain teams. Mm-hmm. That gets to the end of the year. Guys are like, all right, man, i got to check my flights. I'm going to pack this house up or pack this apartment up because sure. I'm headed back to Florida or California. But that didn't happen Louisiana. with the Jets under top bowls this year. No, it didn't. New York's a nice place, too. You can live here during the offseason. So, uh, Jersey, I should say. I don't know what Florham Park is like. I'm sure it's lovely. But, uh, you know, I I do give them credit for playing hard through the rest of the season. But Bowles is a former player. I think he's got that cachet uh, with teams. So, um, I I don't have a a legitimate explanation for that. But to to, to go the Matt Rule route, uh, whose coaching experience in the NFL is one year as an assistant offensive line coach with the Giants, I don't think is the way to go. That guy's been trying to get a job since the second he arrived at Baylor. It's just... Uh, right. It's a it's a weird fit at Baylor for him in the first place, but I also mm-hmm. from the second he got there, he's been looking for other jobs, so right. he's, he's desperate to get out right. of there. Uh, Mike McCarthy, I McCarthy. Uh, Mike McCarthy, I get it. He he could have worked with. He has a lot of experience working with an extremely talented quarterback, and you wanted some of that to rub off on Matt Darnold. But I think as far as fit goes, Gase could be the guy. I may very well be wrong about his success, but I, I think it's an okay fit. I think Fangio's an okay fit in Denver, but I don't think that team's going anywhere. I just I, I think they did a nice job oh, with the I wide agree. receivers, and they actually have a running back. So you could say that if Keenum is able to play at a solid level, with those rising talents at the skill positions, they may actually have a little something there. Can Fangio take the existing defenders, and Chris Harris is thought to possibly be moving on, 
It's, Elway made a weird comment about Von Miller needing to play better, even though he had a good season, and and possibly <laughs> shopping him. He basically said every, everybody's on the table. So can Fangio get them back to the defense that they were a couple of years ago or close to it? That's the, that's the way they're going to do it. They are going to win yeah. old school. They're going to be like the Hawks and the Cowboys and basically how, oh, yeah, they, the won, how yeah. they won in 2015. Yeah, and I think, like you said, there are some teams, listen, in this passing, high-flying, sexy offense league right now, there are a couple of examples, maybe four in the league, that are successful doing it the other way. Seattle, Baltimore, uh, maybe Dallas, maybe Chicago. Denver has done this before with defense. They still have a, you know, very good to elite defense, you know, a playoff caliber defense. I love the young skill position players they have at running back and at wide receiver. Honestly, remember I said like the different factors of the head coach considering, you know, different opportunities. To me, the problems with the Denver job are Case Keenum and honestly, John Elway. I don't know that John Elway is the guy that I want to have as my GM with him being such like a storied, you know, uh, presence in that franchise, and I don't know that he knows what he's doing in this role, to be quite honest, and that would be my concern, that and the fact that I'm in quarterback purgatory with Case Keenum. And I did win a Super Bowl with him running the team, so I can't say he doesn't know what he's doing. He did go out and get Peyton Manning. Um, he's just struggled at... That was like low-hanging fruit, though. Yeah, my... but he wasn't they, it wasn't the only team that was bidding on Peyton Manning. He went out and he got him. Like I, I give him credit for that. I think, you know, he established a relationship with Manning and he went out and he got him and they won a Super Bowl. So I, I can't I can't take it away from him. You can qualify it all you want, but he, he yeah. does have that trophy in the display case. So uh by the way, uh, coming up in the next couple of minutes, we're gonna have Davis Maddock on. He'll come on after the break, which comes up in about two minutes. Uh, Davis Maddox is new to the Sports Grid team. You'll find his articles on rotoexperts.com, probably surface some on dailyroto.com, but we'll talk to him uh, in a bit. We're excited to have him on. We'll talk a little bit about this week's games, maybe get a thought or two on these coaching uh, changes. Um, so Matt LaFleur we talked about with Fangio. Uh, oh, we got to talk Freddie Kitchens, Jason. baby. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, I like that move. I am a little surprised oh, that Greg, that Greg Williams moves on. but um, right. That's the part I wanted to ask talk about. No, yeah. I just think in general, Kitchens wants to maybe run his own show, and, and right. Williams will get a shot to be a defensive coordinator somewhere else. He'll certainly be a coach somewhere next year. Um, maybe it's a clean break. He, he's a guy that maybe wanted the head job as well. Right. So, they couldn't flip the power struggle on him with him yeah. being the interim guy. Yeah, that's right. Crazy! I got a crazy idea for you. I the said Maki it last Valiant time. Thing. Could they have been co-head coaches? No, that wouldn't work. Why not? I still think it would really work. I think it would be a difficult yeah. situation for them to pull off splitting duties down the middle. Uh, you know, Sean McVay is the head coach. Wade Phillips, Wade Phillips runs the whole defense. It's Sean McVay is the head coach. It's got to funnel up to one guy. I don't think. I think it's the only way that'll work. We'll come back right after the break with Davis Maddock. It's Mike and Dane on FST. We'll be right back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.
Hey, if you're at the game or you just got a gut feeling, no problem. Now you can bet from anywhere, anytime with the all-new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at-home betting when you're on the go. So try it out today, and you'll never miss another winning bet. Head on over to MyBookie.ag and open an account with the promo code FNTSY. And MyBookie will match your deposit up to 1000 bucks. That's right, $1,000. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. So thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we are, we have, uh, Davis Maddock coming in, who I believe we're calling on air right now. So, uh, Dane Martinez is at spit and speeds. Uh, I'm at Mike blue and we'll bring Davis in here in a moment to talk about his article, which you can find on Roto experts right now. You can find him on Twitter at Davis Maddock, D A V I S last name M A T T E K. So, uh, he'll let us know when he's in and we'll start talking about this article. But Dane, uh, you'll see that Davis is talking a lot about strategies for NFL playoffs and fantasy football games. He's talking about how Todd Gurley is likely to be the heaviest owned player on the Rams roster for not just this game, but for the remainder of the playoffs. So if you're looking for good pivots, he likes Jared Goff and Robert Woods. Davis, you there, by the way? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, good, man. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. How's everything? Welcome to the team, Davis. Hey, thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. So we're just about to talk about your article um, and talking about pivots to Todd Gurley because he's going to be so heavily owned. Despite some limited practices, people are just going to go all in on the volume that Todd Gur- and the efficiency that t- Todd Gurley provides. So you like Jared Goff and Robert Woods as good Rams pivots, correct? Yeah, definitely. I think in all of these big playoff fantasy football contests, I would imagine that every team that started off well in uh, the wild card round pretty much has Gurley. I would think he would be the most popular selection. Like if you had Allen Robinson as your Bears selection in week one, you're probably like 100% to have Todd Gurley this week. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, hey, Davis, uh, this is uh, Dave Martinez, a spitting statistician. First of all, welcome to the team. I'm excited to, a big fan of your work, uh, and excited to, uh, you know, get to read it more and more over here on Roto Experts. With that being said, Davis, first question I have for you is I got to push you on something that I disagree with. One of the guys that you're trying to avoid, it looks like, in this article on rotoexperts.com, The Mark of Fantasy Excellence, is you're, you're, it seems like you're a little bit down on Marlon Mack. And I've read some of your other work, and it seems like you think the Chiefs are a fait accompli to get to the AFC Championship game. I personally think the Colts are a little bit more live, and I think part of the reason they are going to be live is because of their running back, Marlon Mack. I love the way that they've been running behind that offensive line. I also think that the way you try to beat the Chiefs is by keeping Patty Mahomes on the sidelines, right, and running against that, like, 31st-ranked defense. You seem to think that the Chiefs are going to run away and hide, and that game flow would mean that it's going to be more Naheem Hines on the field instead of Marlon Mack. Is this um, kind of fate of Marlon Mack really based on your anticipated game flow of that game in Arrowhead? Yeah, it definitely is. Really, running backs against the Chiefs have done well in like competitive games, but obviously running backs against the Chiefs have done a lot worse when the Chiefs hop up to a, you know, a 14-point lead, a 21-point lead. You know, James Conner you know, really bad game against the Chiefs just because there was really not any time for the Steelers to uh, to run. And um, I think that's basically 
what's going to happen tomorrow on Mac. I just think that the Chiefs are a significantly better offense than the Colts are a defense, and I think the Chiefs' offense is better than the Colts' offense, too. They're playing at home. This is actually going to be a cold-weather game for Indianapolis. You know, a dome team that plays a lot of their games in the warm weather. I just think a lot of things are lining up for this to be a huge Chiefs performance. And in those game scripts, Matt just loses a lot of snaps to Hines and to Wilkins. And we're again, we're here with Davis Maddock. Uh, he's going to be he's uh, going to be writing for Rotoberts. You can find him on Twitter at Davis Maddock. He uh, hosts a Take Cast, which he'll be bringing with him. Uh, and you'll you can go to his Twitter feed and find out all the uh, different articles and podcasts that he's putting out. Davis, on to stay on that game. You know, I I think sometimes like Dane is talking about, sometimes people create a narrative about, well, if Marlon Mack gets the ball going and it limits the time of possession, the Chiefs were 27th in time of possession in the league this year. They don't need a lot of time to score. So I, they true. don't care if you have a 35 minutes of possession. They'll win anyway. It's true. And they, they so this is actually a pretty crazy stat. They were, uh, they were 27th in time of possession, but they were 7th in total numbers of plays ran right. per game. Mm-hmm. Just, be, just because on offense they just don't care. They're just they're gaining yards, they're scoring points, and then they're letting you do what you do, and then getting the ball back and trying to score more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when when I uh, talk to my audience on other shows on this network, you know, I try to say that. I'm not just giving them a fish. I'm trying to teach them how to fish. And for in DFS, one of the first things I look at is I look at the totals in Vegas, Davis, you know, and this Chargers-Patriots sure. game has the lowest total of the weekend. And I noticed that you seem to like not one, but both running backs in that game. It seems like you like Melvin Gordon as a pivot for, uh, you know, the Chargers in case people are going to go off, you know, the, uh, the girlies and the Zeeks of the world this week. And also my guy, the stereotype, not Panasonic, not Mitsubishi, but Sony Michelle. You like both running backs in this game. So uh, that game right now, and, you know, obviously we're about, we're, we're about three days out from it, but that game does project to have snow, bad weather. We have Tom Brady in his age 41 season. We okay. have uh, we have uh, you know Philip Rivers. He's I think he, I think Philip Rivers is 35. I don't think either team's ideal game plan is to go into a cold, snowy game and say we're going to throw the ball 40 times. And I don't think that Melvin Gordon coming off of like uh, he did score he did score against the Ravens, but he you know had to leave the game banged up. Austin Eckler had 11 carries and and four targets in the passing game. I just don't think that Melvin Gordon is a selection. That, like no one wants to play Melvin Gordon this week. But if you had to go through the list of running backs out of everyone other than Gurley and Elliott, you would probably say Melvin Gordon, just from like a, a stats perspective, has the best chance to score two touchdowns. And on the other side of that coin, I, I mean, when's the last time the Patriots lost a bad weather home game in the playoffs? I can't even, I can't even recall it. And in that game script, you would think Michelle would probably get twenty carries. I uh, totally agree. Uh, I would say that Phil Rivers is going to send you a little bit of. Uh a holiday present next year because he's 37. He turned 37 December 8th. So you gave him a couple of years on the end of his there career, which he appreciates. You'll probably have to wait in line because he's going to about to have his ninth kid. So you got to let him oh, shop please. for them first before you get yours. But you know, you're, you're you made the Chris, you made the Christmas list. So um, we got to get a Rivers and Cromarty like you know intramural softball league going. Yeah, I think their families were structured a little bit differently, but sure, yeah, fair they enough. Got, they got a lot of fair a lot of they got a lot of bodies out there. So. Um, <laughs> So, Davis, uh, you know, I've been of the opinion that, you know, as you're saying, Brady's getting a little bit older. 
they're losing the effectiveness of Gronkowski. They lost Josh Gordon completely. They have kind of built this team in order to be much more effective running the ball. They ripped off 237 yards against the Bills. They are a team that seems to be built for bad weather, for January, for possibly beating the Chiefs because the Chiefs really can't stop the run. I know we talked about they don't really care, but they cared the first time when they played the Patriots when they lost. So it's almost like they are reshaping their image midseason in order to, and this started back in April at the draft, but they're reshaping their image in order to play maybe a different brand of football than they played in previous January. Does that sound right? Well, I think that, first of all, I think it's true that they're changing the type of offense that they do, but I don't know if it's necessarily by choice. I kind of feel like, you know, uh, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I think that McDaniels and Belichick saw, like, okay, Gronkowski has has absolutely Mm -hmm. no juice left. They saw, okay, Brady just doesn't have the zip on these deep throws anymore. And I think that that's how they really set up the team this offseason and, and in the middle of the season. And I mean, people forget that there were times this year where the Patriots just looked like a, a bad team. Yeah. That game, that game, yeah. uh, that Sunday night loss against the Lions, they, they just looked like, you know, the, the Jets. The Titans like, game? They just looked like a team that had no clue. Yeah, the Titans right. game, that was horrible. They were, they were terrible in that game. And I, I think that just because they've had so many of those games, that they're walking a very thin line when it comes to playing the Chiefs because the Chiefs are not going to have that game. The Chiefs are not going to come out and run the ball for three yards a carry for two quarters and not switch things up. They're going to be trying to score points the whole game. Hey, Davis, let me ask you this. You're talking about the potential weather and the conditions in Foxborough on Sunday. And talk to me how it relates to some of the Chargers' skill position players as well. It sounds like you're off Keenan Allen. You've already talked about Melvin Gordon, but could this be a game where instead of throwing the ball outside the numbers or down to their wide receivers, we see a little bit more of a guy like Mike Williams with the big target or even a returning Hunter Henry as a security blanket on, you know, third downs, red zone, that sort of thing. Do you expect a lot of snaps out of Hunter Henry, and do you think Mike Williams is actually the Charger wideout to own over Melvin uh, over Keenan Allen? So I don't think that Hunter Henry will play a lot. I think that if he is active for this game, and I think that if he finds his way onto the field in any meaningful moments, maybe he would be in on a couple of third downs. But I think right. probably the reason they're activating him would be for like red zone possessions because I think even with even with half of a knee, Hunter Henry's like good inside the red zone. He's bigger than most linebackers. He's way bigger than any of the safeties that the Patriots have. But I think that uh, Keenan Allen is going to draw like a pretty tough matchup for the Patriots corners. They they use this undrafted guy, J.C. Jackson, against opposing slot guys. And also Keenan Allen's target volume. He, he's not had a really good target volume game since Week Twelve. And I just think the, the Chargers offense is kind of gone away from, like, force-feeding Keenan Allen targets, kind of what they have been, like, the last two, three seasons. They just have so many skilled players on offense now that they, they don't use him like a wide receiver one really anymore. So uh, let's pivot over because we haven't talked Saints-Eagles at all. I know that it's not featured in this particular article. Again, you can find his work on rotoexperts.com, some uh, interesting strategy plays for the divisional round. Uh, so... Saints-Eagles, you know, Nick Foles' magic continues and all that good stuff. They scored 16 points, but whatever. Nick Foles' magic reigns. Um, Do you expect the game script to look in any way similar to the way it did 
last time out. The Eagles are 6-1 and one since. They only lost an overtime game to Dallas. Foles is obviously on this good run. Uh, we heard about the Saints getting motivated by a Lombardi trophy and a mound of cash. So how do you think this game plays out relative to the last time it was when it was a, a no contest? You know what? I really do just think that this is where the fairy tale ends for, I do too. for Nick Foles and for I do the too. Eagles. Yeah. Yep. It's, the Saints are just so much better of a team than they are. And I think that the Bears were probably better than the Eagles talent-wise. But I would say that, like in terms of like uh, you know playoff experience and stuff like that, there were some clear yep. there were some clear areas where the Eagles had an advantage over the Bears, and none of that is true against the Saints. Yeah, I think that's completely true. You know, I had a narrative last week, David, about these first-time playoff quarterbacks, and none of them had a QBR over 50, Trubisky included, despite his 303 yards. You saw what happened to Deshaun Watson missing open throws, and Lamar Jackson maybe fumbled about 27 times. I want to ask you about this game as well, this Eagles-Saints game. There are two players that I've been giving out this week that I think are decent plays. I want to give you my narrative, and then, you know, then – Feel free to call me crazy. On the Philadelphia side, I think Darren Sproles is interesting. I think that game flow is such that he's going to be on the field. You saw last week, I think Sproles got 15 touches to Josh Adams is one. And Weldon Smallwood got about 10. I think, you know, they're going to be in that four-minute shotgun offense a bunch. And they are not afraid to use Darren Sproles in between the tackles as well. I think he's pretty interesting. On the Saints side, listen... Davis, I look at the prices of these Saints wide receivers, and sure, you want you know Michael Thomas in the dome, but then over on FanDuel at least, you know it goes Traquan Smith, Keith Kirkwood. I look all the way down on FanDuel, I can get Ted Ginn Jr. at forty five hundred, and I do think he is the number two wide receiver for the Saints right now, coming back off injury, and he's the guy who can get behind the suspect Philly secondary. What do you think about Sproles and Ginn as kind of uh, contrarian or off the radar plays or tournament plays this week? I think your boy Sproles might end up being kind of chalky. I think really? that when, yeah, because people will see the 15 touches last week. They'll know that Josh Adams, you know, was like completely not involved. Like I really like Sproles this week and generally, I don't know if I've ever played Sproles like in a, a, a cash game or single entry GPP kind of situation. So mm-hmm. I, I think Sproles is going to be like decently owned. Uh, Ted Ginn, definitely you will get a, a pretty good ownership advantage on that. I, I think the, Low-owned Saints guy I like more, though, is Mark Ingram because I do think it's like – That's a good call. I I would definitely bet more on the Saints blowout than I would on this being like a really competitive game. A couple of short touchdowns for Ingram would would get you over that hump. Uh, But couldn't a Ginn 65-yarder be the way they get that working margin? Like if they're up 24 to 10 in halftime, they had to get those 24 points somehow. No, definitely. And, and again, like people do probably still think that like Kirkwood and Traquan are the wide receiver twos, even though they are not. Yeah. Yeah. The only problem I have is with those long touchdowns, I don't know which guy it's going to be. Now, this, that's the nature of DFS. You're taking a shot. Uh, and like Davis said, there's an ownership advantage there. I, I do like, I think the Mark Ingram call is really interesting because if they put up. 35 points the way they've done all the time this year. Uh, Mark Ingram could get a couple of touchdowns. It doesn't have to be a Kamara long run or a 65-yard touchdown. Or it could be a 65-yard pass where Ginn gets knocked out at the two, and then that's Mark Ingram's time. Sure. So, I give me eight targets, though, against the 30th-ranked pass defense. So we don't have a lot of time, and I have to set this up because I wanted to ask Cowboys-Rams, but we're not going to have time because I need you both to just – I'll probably ask this and just let it go. Davis, you go first. I don't mind the fit 
between Adam Gase and the New York Jets. Go. Uh, I hate it. I think that he's going to be really bad. I think he's going to be really bad for Sam Darnold. I think it's, it's pretty brutal. I'm a Jets fan, Davis. I've been, my grandparents had season tickets at Shea Stadium watching Joe Namath. I'm anti-gaze. Blewett is trying to convince me of it. I just, here, here's what my thought process, Davis. In general, we don't know a lot about ho- coaching, how coaching hires are going to work. There's too many other internal, sure. external factors. I try to base it on the match. A guy that has experience working with quarterbacks and has had success there i get that peyton manning is a large part of his success and who wouldn't be successful there but like the steve wilkes thing wasn't going to work in arizona because that just wasn't a match he shouldn't have been hired there in the first place and it's it's bs that he gets fired after a year but it wasn't going to work i just would rather match guys up fangio to the broncos i don't think it's going to work out that great but it makes sense from a personality standpoint you like uh kingsbury in arizona but not gays in new york is that fair Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, I should say I like the theoretical idea of hiring guys like Cliff Kingsbury, offensive coaches, who right. like were quarterbacks, have relationships with other guys who are good quarterback coaches and who are not already failed NFL coaches. Whereas, like, I hate the idea of Gase, which is a guy who flamed out somewhere else, a guy whose players didn't like him, a guy whose offense has played really slow. Like, those are the sorts of hires that I just don't like. All right, you've, you've thrown cold water on my Adam Gase's. It sounds like he said a lot of things I said about 25 <laughs> minutes ago, yeah. but All right, well, you know, sometimes. The retread that players are quitting on. The ty- yeah, the tyranny Bring, of, come on this down. This is called the tyranny of the majority, <laughs> Dane. So sometimes you get beaten down even when you're right. And I, I don't think I lose right. one-one ties with my girlfriend all the time. Davis, it was uh, great to have you on. We'll do this again soon. I uh, appreciate you coming on. So catch him on Twitter at Davis Maddock. We'll talk to him again soon. Dane and I will be right back on FST to talk more divisional playoffs. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. On a Thursday morning, thanks for joining us on FST. Dane Martinez at Smitten Speeds, Mike Blewett at Mike Blewett. We said Davis Maddock on. He's awesome. That was great. The DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back for 2019 with all new premium fantasy golf and betting tools. So check out the all new lineup optimizer with custom settings, advanced grouping, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, ownership projections, PGA finish probabilities, and simulator. Outright and top 20 market betting tools, head-to-head and three-ball betting tools, PGA Pro Tip, subscriber chat, and more. Go to DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, choose Golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, click on Golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. So good stuff from Davis. Um, I'm betting it's an uphill battle for 
Adam Gase's good campaign. So uh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that he does play a slow offense, I think, is obviously concerning. But I don't know. Sometimes you play with the hand you're dealt. Maybe he feels like he can go a little bit more up-tempo with Darnold, but maybe people would say they didn't really go up-tempo. I mean, in Denver, he did throw 55 touchdowns in 5,500-yard season, so um, there's something there. Uh, anyway, uh, that's when he really started to get all the buzz after that big Peyton season. So, all right, Kyler Murray, shocker. He's taking a look at the NFL. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he got a nearly $5 million bonus. Doesn't he have like 7 million reasons not to, though? I think mean, it's like, I, I've seen the number kick around. It's generally between four and a half and five is the number okay. that's kicked around um, to earn. He hasn't like gotten a $5 million check. I think didn't he get a bonus, though? He did. I think it was like a million dollar bonus, but I think some. Okay. I think the rest of it is contingent upon actually showing up to work and playing yeah. a certain amount and, and all that kind of stuff. So Not going to the NFL. <laughs> yeah, so... Look, uh, here, here's the interesting thing, though. Um, I'm just looking right now. Meanwhile, quarterback Lamar Jackson, who's drafted to the Ravens, had an estimated total contract. This is Lamar Jackson, who was 32nd pick. Had an estimated total contract of $9.589 million and signed a bonus of over $5 million. That would be the last pick of the first round. Right. Baker got a lot more than that. Uh, sure. Baker ended up with a total contract of $33 million with a signing bonus of $22 million. Uh, so, and I think like seven of it was actual signing bonus. The rest is like when you report to camp. So he got lump sum in that first year. So while you and I and many others over the years have said something to the effect of like, ah, baseball's the way to go. Guaranteed contracts, you could make $200 million. Well. Keep that brain safe. Yes. No, I'm not dismissing that <laughs> at all. But you could, if you're a first-round draft pick, have a five-year NFL career. Let's put him in the middle of those two numbers, the twenty, the 33, and the total for Lamar was, what did I just say, uh, of 10. So put him somewhere in the middle. So let's call it. Sure, give him 21. No, 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 no. Between, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fine. Let's just call it $20 bucks. Got a $20 million contract. He probably ends up earning that because he's not going to get cut. So, uh, you know, he'll be 26, or 26 years old. He'll have $20 million in the bank. And there's no chance virtually. I shouldn't say no chance. It would be difficult for him to make that in baseball. The way the baseball players make that now, by the way, the owners in baseball have made an about face really on the the spending right. spree that they used to have. Like they are, yeah, they are, they're putting caps really on those deals. There's very few teams that are in on the Manny Machado and Bryce Harper sweepstakes, uh, and those guys are unique in their own right. They try to sign guys early at a relative discount, but it's a lot of guaranteed money for them. Look, if Kyler goes out there and balls out in the minors, they're going to end up giving him uh, the Kyle Seeger deal. Remember that? And Kyle Seeger got a ton of money before he had done anything. Right. He could end up getting that kind of deal, which is still extremely valuable. It could be like $80 million or whatever it is. You know, Mike Trout got a deal before he was ready to go, and they, they backloaded it so that they weren't paying him $35 million a year throughout the life of it. I'm just stating that it isn't a situation anymore where, well, the money's way better in Major League Baseball. It'll be great if he's really good. 
But it's not like he won't make money in the NFL. If he's a first-round pick, he can make $20 million by the time he's 26 years old. There's good money there, and the life of quarterbacks has been extended, Dane. It's obvious. It's right in front of us. Yeah, yeah all the rules are there in, in, place, in place for them. You know, you see Tom Brady, you see Drew Brees, Rivers, Roethlisberger, all these guys. All the rules are there to kind of, like I said, save the brains of these quarterbacks. You know, Their I, knees, I, everything. Sure, you can't go low, you can't go high, yeah. you know, you can't go anywhere on these quarterbacks. I understand that. I mean, I just, I, you know, I, I said it lightheartedly, this idea about keeping your brain safe, but I think that's a legitimate thing you got to put into the hopper here of course. when making this kind of decision, especially if you have the ability. Listen, you, you mentioned that most, you know, if he's toiling in the minors, it, it won't be necessarily worth it, but if he does, you know, pop, he could get far more than the 20 million, right? But- we're talking about degrees of like tens of millions of dollars. Like I've never been in this position, you know, but to me, if you have the choice of say 10 and you can, you know, be a healthy man when you're in your fifties or 20 and you might be a blubbering, you know, mess. I, I, I think I might lean baseball. I understand that. And it, I, I can't possibly say And how that... much of it also like, you know, we saw I can't possibly like, say that you're wrong. Quarterbacks. I just don't know. Like, do we know that Kyle, uh, Kyle Murray is going to be a good NFL quarterback? Like, no. do, are we confident in that? No, they, the know? NFL fails at a 50% rate when picking quarterbacks right. in the first round. But, and he's in one of these kind of spread offenses. Yeah, yes, but Baker and Pat Mahomes are killing it right yes, now. Yes, it translated for them. But, you know, I, I, he's I, very I, short. I, I know. I heard you guys he talking is. in the last hour. He's he the is. shortest of all the guys of that you mentioned. He's shorter, he's shorter than, than Russell Wilson. Yeah, he's yeah, shorter yeah. than Baker. Yeah. He's 5'10 um, so on a good day. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, let's put it this way. If I was any of Kyler Murray's friends or his family members, I'd be saying report to the A's camp in about five weeks. Yeah. How much money do you think Matt Ryan has made to this point in his career? Uh, well, I know he signed a huge deal, but you, uh, I, I'm not but even including that. I'm not that, including future earnings. Okay, day. before that, uh, what is he at? About an eight-year career? Is that about right? Eleven, actually. Eleven? All right, I'm going to put him at career earnings. Uh, eight, is the first number eight? <laughs> no. No? No. Is the first number one? No. Oh, so it's less than eight. Wow. I think you're way <laughs> off, actually. $214.5 million. Really? Oh, wow. Dollars. Really? Yes. But this is an upper. This is generational a wealth, my friend. In the NFL. This is I a know. Top ten quarterback in the NFL. You think he's going to be that? Like, what is? No, you know, I don't what think is? That. You know, uh, like. I I would I like know. to look up somebody like Jake Locker who had a five year career. Right. I bet you he who had cleared that like one quarterback with that rookie cleared, contract and then nothing else. I bet you he cleared like twenty million bucks though. Like, what did Christian Ponder make in his NFL career? That's a good one. Uh, I'll I'll try to find this out. Maybe we'll do it for tomorrow. Uh, okay. I'll look up J- Jake Locker career earnings twelve and a half million dollars. Uh, I'm doing Ponder okay. right now, but this that's really awesome what we're site. talking about, it's right? My favorite site on the entire internet is that Sport Track. Uh, this is over the cap. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I like, and you're so plugged into this, Blue. You really I love are. This stuff. I was, I was relying on you with like you know the Spot transitional track, track and is that good sort too. of stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, so I, I really, you're definitely plugged into this, but like. You know, if we're talking about if we're talking about the difference of fifteen or twenty million, like when you're already a millionaire, I don't know. I've never been in this situation. Well, you know I, what I mean? no, but I think what I'm and Ponder was about the same, twelve and a half million dollars. So, okay, um, I, I think what I'm really driving at though is that 
the minor leagues in baseball can be really difficult to navigate. If you're a first-round pick in the NFL, you're going to be a starter in the immediate future. Right. And you'll get a chance get your to shot. prove your, get yourself. In Kyler Murray, something happens in the minors. Ah, he can't hit curveballs or he doesn't have enough patience at the plate. Then what happens? He's a journeyman. They don't sign him to a big deal. He's under team control forever. And then, I don't know, he's a Rule 5 guy, whatever. I, he goes back to Oklahoma and sells used cars. Well, right. Well, that's a problem. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> don't guess. do that. Go to the NFL, get your 20 mil, and who knows? If you decide after your first deal that you're done, maybe somebody will give you a Tim Tebow shot. And by the way, he's a really good baseball player, Murray. So, I don't know. Just something to think yeah. about. It is. You I don't just, get a lot of Jake Glock and Christian Ponder on any football podcast. It's true, no, but 2019, I, you know, not two days in advance of, an argument of the playoffs. When he's 45 years old. This is true. Can't argue that. But argue with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening on Thursday. It's FST. Morning After is next. We'll talk to you tomorrow.